Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. Look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps. And then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a 1,000 at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. This is The Jesse Kelly Show.
It is a great day on the Jesse Kelly Show. Why is it such a great day? Well, because I'm here. <laughs> what, Chris? What? Sometimes, see, Chris, you don't understand radio. You have to lead people and then just drop them right on their faces like that. <laughs> it is the Jesse Kelly Show. We are going to have a blast today. Joe Biden getting pushed around by Russia. Gosh. Oh. The CDC director can't explain some very basic things that you would think the CDC director could explain. We have yet another. This is this is rapidly becoming my favorite segment on the show. The Jesse says I told you so segment. I called another one. Remember, do you remember when they hacked our oil pipeline and it came out that the company paid millions in ransom right off the bat in cryptocurrency? And you remember what I come on the radio and said? There's a big controversy because I said it. I said the people who own that company who paid that ransom should, number one, they should be arrested. Number two, some very, very dangerous men should be sent over to hunt down those hackers and make sure they don't wake up the next morning. And everybody made me out to be a monster. Well, weird. We have a new development in the whole hacking thing. I will get to that. You know what? I will get to that one hour from now. The Jesse says, I told you so. Don't let me forget, Chris, one hour from now. We have Brandon Darby coming up next hour, our cartel expert. Remember we did our thing yesterday where the cartels were torturing policemen and it's just it's really bad? We're going to ask him what in the heck's going on. All right, but first. They call the Korean War the Forgotten War for a reason. It, the savagery of the Korean War. The savagery of the fighting, the, the hostile, hostile nature of the terrain. If you read some of these stories, like the, the battle we're going to talk about today. Well, two battles, kind of. But the, the battles we're going to talk about today. And you say to yourself, man, that's, that's as violent and miserable as combat gets. And yet, how often do we talk about the war in Korea? And look. I'm not pointing fingers at you, believe me. If you're sitting there saying, man, you're right, I haven't given that war the respect it deserves, I'm, I'm twice as guilty as you. I talk about history every single day. But what do you talk about? I mean, everyone talks about World War II. Now, that's understandable. It's not just the biggest war. It's the biggest event by a mile in the history of mankind. So it's understandable. But you go from World War II to Vietnam, World War I, Revolutionary War, Civil War. You skip over Korea. I was thinking about it today. Chris, as you know, I'm a pretty grizzled veteran in the, in the radio business. But, Chris, I think I've been doing this three years now. Have I done even five Korean War stories? I don't think I have, right? I know I've done two or three. You know, I know I've done Chosen Reservoir and things like that. And don't worry, if you miss those, I'm going to do them again. And, hint, hint, wink, wink. I'm going to do them a little better next time. Not saying anything, just saying. I'm going to do them a little better. 
That reminds me, quick side note here. You have not missed our big announcement, and I finally have somewhat of a date for our big announcement. Shut up, Chris. Somewhat is the best I can do. Next week. It won't be today. It won't be tomorrow. Next week will be the big announcement, to which I know you're saying, Jesse, what day? Tell me it's Monday. I have no earthly idea. It might be Monday. I have no idea. I did get confirmation. We will be announcing next week. Stay tuned to that one. Well, stay tuned for that one. I really need to work on being able to talk, Chris. They say that's a critical part of radio. I had a a phone call last night. Quick side note before I get into my story. Sometimes I get distracted. I had a quick talk last night. Remember, I told you because I don't know what I'm doing because I've never done this before. I mean, I'm a, I'm a construction guy, a RV salesman, a Marine. I, I don't do, I, I didn't come up in radio. I had another talk with somebody yesterday who said, so your background's not really the same as everyone else's. <laughs> I said, yeah. Anyway, I told you because I don't know what I'm doing, the radio syndication company I work for, a while ago, they hired a radio coach. And they asked, they said, are you okay if we hire you a radio coach? And I said, Why? I mean, I wasn't offended, but I was just curious. They said, well, I mean, the show is really good, but you don't know how to do radio. Like the basics of doing radio, I don't know, because no one ever taught me. I just sat down, and they turned on a microphone, and I started talking. Anyway, so I have, I have talks with this guy once every week, and he just he doesn't ever tell me, hey, say this, don't say that. It's more uh, adjust this. Make sure you give out the phone number here. Make sure you give out the email. Just it's stuff like that. <laughs> it's stuff like that. So last night. He was telling me, well, okay, when you say uh, you can get the podcast, you always say the show's podcasted on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. And I said, yeah, that's right. And he said, you know, that's not a word, right? You just should say podcast on. And I thought about it for a little bit. I was sitting on the phone and it was quiet. And then I said to him, yeah, I'm not changing. It's podcasted in my mind. And he just, you could just, you could just hear him just groaning and sighing over the phone. Like, this is not working. I'm just, at what point does it make? If at this point, if you're still listening to the show, you're not listening for fancy words. All right. With the big air fingers quote. <laughs> all right. That's enough of that. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. Don't forget tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow's already here, Chris. Tomorrow's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday for you new listeners. And if these absurd download numbers are to be believed, we have a lot of new listeners. For you new listeners, you should know. I'm a bad person, number one. Number two, the news sucks bad enough, right? I mean, I'm looking at a list of stories we're going to talk about today, and there are like, there's like one that makes you feel good. The rest of it sucks. On Friday, we just figure on this show that we've all been beaten over the face with bad news for long enough. Our Friday shows are simply your questions. Whatever you ask. I know what you're saying. Well, what should I ask? Whatever you want. It does not have to be political. They can be. We always end up getting political questions. It's a political show, so I'll answer some of those on Friday. If you want to talk about history or food or men or women or travel or whatever, send in your questions. If I don't know the answer, I give you my solemn word. I will make up something on the fly and act like it's an absolute fact. 
And I'm still getting pushback, Chris, from my strategy on taking down a saltwater crocodile. That's because people don't realize the genius behind jumping into the mouth instead of avoiding it. It's the last thing the croc would expect. Back to our show. Korea. Korea kicks off 1950. Well, the Korean War, I should say. And what happened? Why did it kick off? Well, what is communism? You're a Jesse Kelly show listener. What is communism? Is communism a political ideology? No. Communism is a religion. A religion of domination. Communists, no matter what, whether they be in Korea, China, Russia, whether they be on your television, whether they be educating your kids, and they are, communism is a religion of domination and destruction. Communists never get to a place where they look around and say, you know, I think we've taken enough. We're going to talk about that and much more next. Hang on. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years, was solely dedicated working undercover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me a drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink. The guys come in. I'm going to go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her $100. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. Against Russia for the state's ransomware attack? We're looking closely at that issue. Do you think Putin is testing you? No. <laughs> oh, gosh. I hope he doesn't really believe that. Good grief. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. 877-377-4373. We're in Korea. Well, kind of in Korea. I guess technically I'm in Houston. I just met the show itself. We're talking about Korea. The commies invade. North Korea invades South Korea because communism is a religion of domination. And they would never, ever, ever sit there in North Korea, look at South Korea and say to themselves, oh, we don't need to bother with that. They have their own thing. Communism has to be for everyone. It is a worldwide religion of domination. And how's the war go in the beginning? Well, it's a bit of a yo-yo. The North Korean army 
simply start storming through the South Korean army. That's no disrespect to the South Korean army or the South Koreans, who they're a great ally of ours to this day. I like South Koreans. But they got their butts kicked. And they get their butts kicked all the way. And finally, America gets there and steps in and does some butt-kicking of our own. So we push the North Koreans back out of South Korea, clear up into North Korea. And then that piece of subhuman scum Mao Zedong sends his commie hordes from China back down into North Korea, and they push us all the way back down. And soon, what do we have? Well, we have kind of a countrywide version of World War One. What do I mean by that? Well, they're all stuck in the North, and we're all stuck in the South. The country is essentially divided in half. There are so many of them in the North, and they're so well fortified that we can't really do much offensively without suffering massive loss of life. And let's pause on that for just a moment. Just a moment. America didn't have the political capital either at this time to handle a huge loss of life in a war. Remember, see, because it's the forgotten war, we lose sight of things. We're talking about 1950 when this war kicks off. Anyone know when World War II ended? 1945. Five years is nothing. Nothing. Five years ago? Donald Trump was elected president of the United States. That's how soon five years ago. Does that bring it home for you? Think about an event like World War II with all the loss of life. Over 400,000 Americans dead, several more than that, wounded and mentally shattered and, and the country's wealth. And think America just got done with that. When you get done with trauma, like that, nationwide trauma like that, you just, you don't have an appetite for any more for a while. Maybe a generation or generations. So when we went into Korea, we had to sell the American people on us being there anyway. And the problem is, oftentimes, if you have to sell something, you're not going to be able to sell something. If you have to sell the people on why they have to go to war in a place they don't know or care about, that's going to be a tough sell post-World War II. What I mean is by 1953, we're three years into the Korean War. They're dug in 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 the north. We're dug in in the south. They can't really make inroads in the south. We can't make inroads in the north without massive loss of life. By this point in time, the war is... By all intents and purposes, over. When I say over, I mean this. They know they're not going to be able to take over South Korea. We know we're not going to, as a nation, take the loss of life that would come from taking over North Korea. So, what are we doing? What are we doing here, right? We're still spending all this money. We still do have people dying because, as we're about to talk about, there are still little battles going on. We have have men dying still, and we're spending a fortune, and 
Why? I've always thought this is one of the most cruel things in life. In fact, what we're going to talk about today. Why are we still doing this? Why haven't we already signed an agreement? Well, ego plays a big part of it. The details play a big part of it. How many people have you seen go through a divorce? Or maybe you've personally gone through a divorce. What got you? Was it the decision to divorce? I realize that's a major decision, but was it the decision to divorce? Or was it the details? Who gets the kids for how long? Who gets the car? Who gets the dog? Who gets this? Who gets that? By the grace of God, I haven't gone through one myself, but I know several people who have. It's always the details that get you. But we're three years into the war and the thing's going nowhere. Negotiations are already ongoing, though. It's not as if we're still in this war footing where the sides aren't talking. The sides are having big meetings, big corporate-like meetings. Let's sit down and talk. I want this. I want that. No, you can't have this. How dare you? That kind of stuff. Now, when it comes to things like war, you and I can get a false impression of something. When troops are in an area, when troops have control of an area, and this this goes for modern day, this goes for Roman times, this goes for everything, they don't occupy each and every inch of an area. You occupy certain strategic points, and that gives you control of an area. What are strategic points? Well, a bridge or a specific area where it's easy to cross a river. That's a strategic point. A mountain pass where if you're going to drive through it, this is the only way through. That's a strategic point. And almost always, I mean, pretty much universally, strategic points when it comes to battles are hilltops. You want to be high. No, not like Portland high. You want to be high as you can. Because you want to observe things around you, and it's easier to fight and shoot downhill than it is uphill. Hills are just simply nature's own fortresses. And there was a hill. This hill was officially known as Hill 255. Why do these places always have numbers on them? Well, if you've ever seen a military map of an area, which I have... They just simply number everything to figure out where people are. This hill had a different name, though, beyond 255. You see, it was right on the 38th parallel. That means it was right on the border between the north and the south. This hill was called Porkchop Hill. Now, I wish I could tell you there was some really, really cool story behind how it got the name Porkchop Hill, but the truth is... You could go look at it right now. It just kind of looks like a pork chop. So they looked at it and called it Pork Chop Hill. Look, when you're in combat, you're bored and you do all kinds of stupid things and say all kinds of stupid things. Now, what did it look like up on Pork Chop Hill? That's what we need to discuss next. And again, I want you to keep this in mind. As we go through the blood and the mud and the trenches and everything else next, which I'm going to do, keep in mind. All the sides know the war is already over. The war is already over. They're quibbling over the details while men are dying. We're going to talk about that. And we're going to get to this ransomware stuff and what's coming here. Hang on. 
It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Remember, tomorrow's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Get your Ask Dr. Jesse emails in now. We already have a bunch, a bunch set aside. Great questions. It's going to be a fun, fun day tomorrow. We are going to talk about the... uh, whole ransomware thing, cybersecurity thing today. And don't worry, on my life, I will not make it tedious and technical and boring so you can't understand it. There is something about technical people. They are completely incapable of dumbing things down so people can understand them. And it drives me up the wall. So when we talk about the hacking and stuff like that today, look, understand I'm not knowledgeable enough about the technical stuff to make it confusing. So you're fine there. But I've told this story before, just really briefly. I'm not going to call him out by name, but I had a guest on one of my shows one time. I'm not even going to tell you whether it was my TV show or radio show, but I had a guest on one of my shows and he kept using the word blockchain. Uh, just blockchain and blockchain this and blockchain that. And so I say to the guy on air, on air, because I know I can see people, especially people over 40, their eyes rolling back in their head. They don't, I say, okay, so I want you to pretend that I was just born yesterday. I, I, I'm an alien. I just teleported to, to planet Earth. And I have no idea what blockchain is or what that word means. Could you please explain it to me? And on my life. He says to me on the air, this was his explanation. Oh, man, it's like March Madness, man. Oh, okay. I, are you are you done? Like that was the explanation? That There's something about technical people they can't explain things. So we're going to talk about this today in a, way, in a way we can all understand, including me. Back to our story. In Korea, Hill 255, Porkchop Hill. Understand what the top of the hill looks like. The top of the hill is all trenches and bunkers. Because when you take these hills, you take them and you fortify them. And the fortifications only get better over time. Part of that is because you want to be safer. And part of that is they never, when you're in combat, really when you're in the military period, especially when you're in the infantry, They never, ever, 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 ever want you sitting around idle, not doing anything. It's one thing you figure out very early on. You'll you'll have, you know, you'll take a minute. Everyone will sit around and they'll look and think to themselves, oh, no, this is trouble. And they're 100% right, by the way. You get a bunch of 18, 19-year-old testosterone-filled men sitting around bored, oftentimes with weapons and high explosives at their disposal. That, in general, is not a great, safe place to be, so they find things for you to do. Well, if you're dug in on a hill in Korea in 1953, and you have some trenches and bunkers, and you're not being attacked for weeks or months at a time, we got to do something. Dig some more trenches. Uh, uh, this bunker. Make it twice as big. Like, that's what you do. So over time, it's getting very, very, very well fortified. 
Now, the thing about places like this, because, again, it's right on the border between North and South Korea. You always, when we're talking about taking strategic places, you want to make sure your strategic place never, ever, 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 ever becomes an island. What I mean by that is this. You want to make sure you're always in direct communication with the next strategic place so they can help you if you get in trouble. And you can help them if they get in trouble. Getting cut off is a death sentence. Well, the next place over, next to Hill 255, next to Pork Chop Hill, was a place called Old Baldy. It's just a, it's just a hill. You can figure out why they called it Old Baldy. Look, hey, I, it's starting to get thin up top on mine, too. Look, it's father time waits for no man, Chris. Anyway. Old Baldy ends up falling to the Chinese. The Chinese storm it and take it. Now, this is kind of odd because, again, discussions, agreements. We're trying to figure out how to end this war, but China takes it. Well, China takes it, and then China starts looking around at this pork chop hill where the Americans are dug in. And they don't necessarily want to attack it right away, but the negotiations have stalled a little bit. China and North Korea are feeling a little bit disrespected in the negotiations. And what they want now is to send a message that, hey, don't think that we're some pushover here that you've defeated. So they've taken Old Baldy and they start probing Pork Chop Hill. Let's send a couple dudes up there, see what happens. Let's drop a little artillery up there, see what happens. They start probing it. And they start liking what they see. Why do they like what they see? Because it's cut off now. It's alone. The men on top of Hill 255 are alone. China attacks. They launch a massive attack. And these attacks are so brutal because you have to fight up the hill, through the wilderness, and then into the trenches. And then in the trenches and off the trenches are bunkers. So we are not talking about, I mean, look, it's not like any combat is beautiful, but it is one thing to snipe a guy from 300 yards away. It is quite another to have a bunker there, which is essentially a room. Picture your bedroom at midnight with all the lights out. Someone in there has a gun and a knife and wants you dead, and you have a gun and a knife and want them dead, and you charge into the room. That's what fighting is like in trenches, in bunkers. It's bayonets, it's knives, it's grenades. It's, it's, it's as fierce a fighting as you can have. And China attacks with so many people, they actually take the hill. Americans are immediately ordered to counterattack, which they do, and they have some of the most vicious fighting in the history of country, the country, and they take the hill back. How vicious is it? Well, the company that retook the hill started out with 135 men. How many of those 135 do you think were casualties? 125. When I say vicious, I mean it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. America ends up retaking the hill and holds it, but they've lost. I mean, there were so many silver stars and things like that handed out. It's just brutal. So America finally sends reinforcements. Now, fast forward. That was in April. Fast forward to July. 
they're still trying to come to an armistice agreement. And they're still not getting all the details. Uh, the, this, this country feels disrespected, and they don't like this, and these guys don't like that, and so on and so forth. China decides, you know, we know that pork chop hill really well. We already took it very briefly once before. Let's teach these Americans a lesson. So if there's one thing China always has an advantage on, it's the number of bodies they can put in the field. China's going to have a manpower advantage that comes with having over a billion people in your country. China decides they're going to throw a human wave at the Americans. And when I say human wave, I mean they outnumbered the Americans on the hill five to one, which you can do if you're the attacker. Because remember, we're talking about the top of a hill. There's only so much room. You would have a platoon up there or a company up there. But other than that, you can't support a division on top of the hill. China decides they're going to take the hill. What comes next? Well, hang on. I'll get to that. And then we'll get to this hacking stuff next. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the world's famous Jesse Kelly Show with me. Jay Steele Kelly. I can give myself nicknames and go by whatever I want, Chris. I can even change my middle name. You know what's going to be ridiculous? When I actually officially change my middle name to Steele. (laughs) We should totally do that. You know what? I have to do that just because of this. How worth it it'll be to try to explain to my father that I changed my middle name to steel and why I changed it to steel because he's such a rough, you know, hardest nails dude anyway, dad. So I changed my middle name to steel. Why? Well, because it was, I thought it was funny when I said it on the radio. You think that's funny? It'll be the best. It'll be, it'll totally be the best. (laughs) Eight, seven, seven, Three seven seven four three seven three Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. <laughs> All right, let's finish up our story here before we get to another prediction I'm going to make off of a prediction I've already made. There's a reason they call me the Oracle. I don't care that I gave myself that nickname. Back to Korea. China does swarm the hill. They swarm the hill with an overwhelming amount of men, simply way too much for us to handle. And they do it smartly. The first thing they do is cut off the last communication we had. So our men are now on top of this hill against five to one odds with the Chinese hordes swarming towards them. There is such brutal fighting once again 
in the trenches. There's the kind of fighting where, and this is, I mean, let's not, let's not lose sight of this. When we talk, I mean, we just had our Memorial Day show and we're talking about the Forgotten War, Korea now. There were situations, multiple situations on top of Porkchop Hill when the Chinese were taking it back where we had to leave men behind. And there were situations on that hill where men, multiple times, men would volunteer to stay behind and die so their friends could escape. You know, how brave do you have to be to do something like that? I think about those guys a lot when I think about our heroes. When you're facing an enemy and you're in a fight and bullets are flying and you're scared and people are dying and screaming and there's blood and guts and and you know you're going to die if you stay there any longer, but you know someone has to stay and hold them off for your buddies to live and you to simply raise your hand and say, guys, go on. I'll stay. The reason it's so scary, the reason it blows me away that men do that is not only are you going to die, you're going to die the way nobody wants to die. You're going to die all alone, surrounded by, I mean, in your mind, monsters. You're going to die swarmed by monsters. And men did it multiple times making sure our American forces on top of Porkchop Hill were not completely wiped out. Took them five days. To the credit of our men, it took them five days to take this hill from us. Five days of fighting with knives in the trenches and bunkers. How about that for a forgotten war we don't pay enough respect to? Now, all is not lost. There is a final happy ending to this story here. We didn't just spend the five days shooting down the hill at the Chinese. We spent five days booby-trapping those bunkers for when the Chinese took them over. We left them a few surprises on top of the hill. And, and this is probably my favorite part, once we left, we simply left. We abandoned the hill and cleared out completely. Like, we didn't stop at the bottom of, we'll be right back. We just cleared out completely because we had a plan. The plan was, let's just send in our heavy bombers and bomb those Chinese who took that hill to smithereens. They essentially took the top of the hill off <laughs> and laid waste to them. Now, for the not-so-great part. Three weeks after this. Three weeks After this is over, the war ended. Final agreement signed, the war ended. I mean, I know, don't write me saying technically the war is still going on. I understand that. But the war ended three weeks late. And this is something I struggle with. Something I assume we all struggle with. Is every battle worth it? Does every battle have to have strategic significance to make it worth fighting? This was not a hill of any significance. We could have just walked off it and said, have at it, China. Enjoy. We didn't, though. Is that the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? And the reason I bring this up is this. We look around now. You and I look around at our culture right now in America. And it's really not questioned 
whether it's rotted out filth. It's everywhere. The culture is rotted out filth now. How many battles do we fight? Which battles do we abandon? Let's talk about that next. The Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. We have a packed show. We have Brandon Darby coming up in about 30 minutes from now. He's our cartel expert. Why is the Jalisco cartel torturing federal police officers? What? Is this just standard business down there now, or is there something weird? We have a valedictorian. In Michigan, having her speech censored because it was too Christian. And Robert Mueller, remember Robert Mueller? That's that civil servant, just a man out to do the right thing with the two-year witch hunt. You're not going to believe what Robert Mueller's up to next. All that's coming up on The Jesse Kelly Show. Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Russia for this latest ransomware attack? We're looking closely at that issue. Do you think Putin is testing you? No. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Remember, we got Brandon Darby coming up about 25 minutes from now, our cartel expert. This dude... This dude went into Mexico in the trunk of a car undercover to talk to sources. That's how in-depth this guy is. He knows more about the cartel than anyone I've ever talked to, and I talk to a lot of people who know a lot about the cartels. We'll talk about that in just a few. As you well know, I, I'm a humble person. I don't, I don't try to exalt myself in any way 
what kind of a shogun would exalt himself, right? So when I'm right about something, it's actually a burden for me. What, Chris? To come on the radio and tell you I told you so. But I just want to, I'm not going to go back and play the clip because I know you'll remember. I want you to remember what I said as soon as that company, our, our oil pipeline was hacked, as soon as that company paid a ransom. Do you remember what I said? I came on the air and said it. I said it several times. I said that company, people, it, it's such a big deal that they paid that ransom. Whoever paid it should be not, not fined or should be arrested and thrown in prison. And America should send dangerous men to track down those hackers and make sure they never exist anymore. That is not out of revenge. None of that's out of revenge. Not because I'm not because I'm specifically mad at the company or not because I'm specifically mad at the hackers. It has nothing to do with even the oil pipeline. You have to do that for the future, for what comes next. You have to do that. So the next company that even considers paying off hackers, they don't do it because they don't want to go to prison. And you have to send dangerous men to go put those foreign hackers in the ground. Why? Not because you want someone to die. Because you want the next hacker who considers it to say to him or herself, well, I can't do that. I'm not going to look over my shoulder the rest of my life waiting for an American assassin's bullet. So I won't. You don't do the things I talked about because of revenge or eye for an eye. That's not what I'm saying. You do it so that stuff stops happening to your nation. Period. End of story. When the time comes, when I discipline my sons, whatever that may be, we don't spank them anymore. We certainly did. It just, it, look, you raise your kids how you want. We spanked our kids. In fact, we could use a lot more spanking in this world. But anyway. We spanked our kids. We don't anymore, but they still have punishment, whatever hurts the most. Honestly, part of the reason we don't spank them now is they're too old. They wouldn't care. I mean, it would hurt for a minute, but they're boys. They'd be like, oh, nice. I made it. Whatever. Just don't take. We take away things they love now. Whatever you enjoy doing, I'll destroy it. But I don't punish my kids, or at least I, I, t- I take that back. I try not to punish my sons out of anger for what they did. I punish my sons because I want it driven into their tiny little undeveloped minds that this is going to result in me being hurt. I don't want to be hurt anymore. I don't want uh, video game time cut off, so I'm not going to do that stupid thing that made dad mad ever again. It's about the future. As soon as they paid off that hacker, I came behind the microphone and I said to you, Get ready, buckle up, because now we are, it is going to be open season on America's critical infrastructure because the hackers around the world know if you hack America's critical systems, we won't send a bullet, we'll send a pallet full of cash. We sent a signal to the world, please hack us, we'll pay you for the pleasure. And what do you know? The largest beef producer in America has been hacked. 20% of America's beef production is down. 
you understand we were already in a major, major problem when it comes to supply chain stuff anyway, right? And you understand why that is. Allow me to take a brief moment and tell you why we were already in trouble. You see, so much of what you buy is trucked to where you buy it from. It's brought in on trucks. Well, during our idiotic, nationally suicidal coronavirus lockdown stuff, what we did was we put a bunch of truckers out of work by shutting down all these businesses. Well, who wasn't out of work? Who? What companies didn't shut down? Amazon, Lowe's, Target, all the big box stores that were allowed to stay open. Well, if you're a trucker and you had to stop delivering to here, but Amazon hired you up like that, you're now an employee of Amazon. You're not just biding your time to go back to trucking what you did. So we already had a massive trucking shortage when it came to things like groceries, chickens and beef and things like that. Now you further hurt the food supply in the country. The cost of beef is going to go up. It's going to be all kinds of supply chain problems. And these are Russian-based companies. FBI says today ransomware group R-E-V-I-L, Revil, but the R-E is capitalized. I don't know. They're computer nerds. Who knows? You can't understand that. Revil and Sodinokibi. I really, really hope that's not Russian for some sort of cuss word because I just read that out loud on the air and I don't want to get in trouble with the FCC. But those are the two ransomware groups responsible for the cyber attack on the meat producer. The meat producer is GBS in case, or JBS in case you're wondering. Okay. We just saw what happened after we paid off the last guy. How are we going to handle this one? What are we going to do? These people are not going to stop unless we stop them. And understand how much of our infrastructure is online. All of it. All of it. If we're going to tell the world you can hack away and attack away and we won't do anything about it, we are very quickly going to be a nation without food and power. I'll put it to you that way. And I asked a uh, cybersecurity guy about this yesterday. He's one of these cybersecurity experts. I'm not going to go into the details of it. I don't know that I'm allowed to. But I had a chance to sit down with this guy. And he said, look, you have to understand what's happening here. The Biden administration is not addressing this. And he's actually not a Republican either. This guy was talking to. He's not a Democrat either. He's just just a cybersecurity guy. And I said, so I, I'm trying to dig into details. I said, hey, wh- what do you mean they're not addressing it? He said, you don't understand. They're not addressing it at all. They're not digging into the problem at all. To which I responded, well, why? I mean, these huge, you know, changes in gas prices and beef prices, they look they look really bad for for the Biden administration, and all we've heard out of the Biden administration is stuff like this. These hackers based in Russia have disrupted American gas supplies and American meat supplies. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that these ransomware attacks have been rising since President Biden took office? Well, first I would say these are private sector entities uh, who have a responsibility to put in place measures to protect their own cybersecurity. As it relates to why criminal actors are taking actions against private sector entities, I don't think I'm the right one to speak to that. So total coincidence. 
I think you could certainly go track down those uh, cyber criminals in Russia and have a, a good chat with them. Oh, yeah, we have more. I'm not done. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years, was solely dedicated working undercover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink. The guys come in. I'm going to go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her $100. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.